Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hi guys, welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast where we chat all things remote work, freelancing, mindset, and financial freedom. This week, I'm very excited to welcome on my friend, who I can't believe I still haven't met in person yet, and podcasting expert, Holly Shannon. She's the host of Culture Factor, which is a podcast that ranks in the top 2% of podcasts in the world, according to Listen Notes. Holly is an expert at launching, marketing, and growing any kind of podcast. She has helped me personally, so if you guys like my podcast, you can actually thank Holly for that. She is also the author of Zero to Podcast, which I own and have read, and is that book is an excellent guide on how to go from zero to fully podcasting in under two weeks. I can attest firsthand. So with that, Holly, hello, welcome. Hi, I love that intro. You are really good at this. <laughs> I've been listening to you do intros. You're awesome. Oh, I mean, I, I feel like I have to write a good intro because I am a freelance writer for a living. So I feel like it has to be kind of good, you know, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> no, I love this because I feel like the past few times we've chatted, it's always you interviewing me. So this is the first time that I'm interviewing you. So that this is this is a big deal. So for everyone listening to this, they're always very interested in how people arrived at entrepreneurialism and working for themselves, because that's always the, the scariest part, right? Like leaving the nine to five, doing your own thing. So if you could just take us back to kind of how you arrived at Holly Shannon and all that you do today. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> I actually was corporate for a really long time. I planned some of the world's largest events and some of the biggest venues around the world. And I did that for a long time. And I actually was strangely forced to get out of corporate, not because I was necessarily treated badly, but we had mm -hmm. moved and, you know, there was no such thing as remote from home until recently. Yeah. So I ended up creating my own business, building events. And shortly after that, I ended up working in, for a boutique hotel, doing it for them and doing all sorts of events. And I think that's where I kind of caught that entrepreneurial bug because mm. I was like, wow, you know, I, you know, started my business. I have like five events I'm planning this year. This is kind of cool. I did go on to work for them and after I had my son, actually, I needed something that was work from home friendly again. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like throughout life have been pushed into entrepreneurship just by virtue of where my life was at, not yeah. necessarily bad or good, just for different reasons. You know, having my son was awesome. So it wasn't a negative. It's just, you know, I couldn't push 12 hour days at a hotel. Like yeah. I had to come up with another plan. So actually my second jaunt as an entrepreneur was in jewelry design. And oh. I did that for about 10 years or so. And it was really cool because I got to flex a completely different muscle. It was very tactile. You know, I was building things from scratch. I was 
really lucky. I got to collaborate with some really cool designers that were with like Rockaware and Rachel mm-hmm. Roy and MTV. I did like some big things and it was fun. And I got to see that like literally you can reinvent yourself at any point in time in your life, which brings me now to what I do. Pandemic changed everything. I was doing marketing strategy work for hotels. I was building content for websites. And then the idea of a podcast came up. And Mm. so I built it and I've scaled it. And now I teach other people how to do it or I do it for them. Okay. So I was going to, I was going to ask, how did you arrive at podcasting specifically? Like, was it an interest of yours or did it kind of just fall onto your lap a little bit? Okay. I am a complete podcast junkie. I always have been. I'm one of those like annoying people that will text you a show that I think you need to hear at that point in time in your life. (laughs) And I just loved podcasts. I never in a million years dreamed I would have one. But when I was doing the marketing strategy work, it was presented to me that we can build a ton of content and we could make it, you know, one of the things that I always say about podcasting, I know you agree with this, it's off of the apps that have all the algorithms and decide Mm -hmm. whether you get seen and heard, or maybe they crash like Instagram and, or you get (laughs) booted off like TikTok. And then where are you? But like podcasting was like a really cool marketing tool for me because I felt like you could really build your voice, you could build your brand, and you could share your ideas like across the world. And everybody has access to it. And it's Mm -hmm. not by virtue of any algorithms. It's it's just out there. I I feel like podcasting has still not even close hit its peak yet with where it's all headed. I I feel like because Clubhouse, you know, proved that people love to listen to other people, right? It's to be human. It's the human experience. So I definitely think podcasting is just like in its beginning stages. You know, sometimes I was worried about like starting mine in the first place because I was like, oh, am I too late to this? But what would you say, you know, do you think every person should have a podcast? Do you think it's something that any person could consider? Or do you think it's kind of reserved for, you know, not special people, but people who have like a, an inclination to want to do it? Okay, so there's a few questions embedded in there. And <laughs> what I'd like to say is that I believe you should own your own mic. And the Mm -hmm. reason why is I think everybody has something to say. Everybody has an interesting perspective on life. You see it on Instagram, you see it on TikTok, you see it on LinkedIn, Facebook. Everybody has their own vantage point for life. Now, look at all of the people who have gravitated towards you and Mm -hmm. your personal take on freelancing and independence, right? You know, I have my story that, that I talk about. Everybody's got something interesting and people gravitate towards that. Like they want to hear unique voices. Mm -hmm. So do you get into podcasting because it could build your business and you can market your brand? Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can you get into it because you love writing stories and you want to narrate them on a podcast? Sure, why not? You find you want to, I don't know, just share with people like up and coming businesses because you're always like going around and eating and drinking and, and going to shows and you just want to yeah. be like the influencer of all things in 
you know, wherever you live. I just, I think podcasting is just really fun. And I think it could be used as just like something for fun or for branding. So you could go either way. Yeah. And a lot of people always write to me and they'll say, oh, Fiverr's too saturated. You know, Upwork's too saturated. If somebody said podcasting is too saturated, what would you say to them? I would say you have bad statistics because, <laughs> because I mean, it, all you have to do is Google, you know, our podcast on the rise. I mean, it was just posted yeah. in Morning Brew, how they're growing year over year. I'm afraid I don't have the statistic on my hands right now, but I literally just saw it like a couple days ago. You know, Morning Brew is a newsletter that has something like well over 3 million subscribers and they wow. they pretty much point their stuff at millennials. So, and it's run by millennials. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole segment of the population that truly believes in podcasting and they've launched something like four different ones through their programming. But if you, if you want to go old school, there were statistics that were just published by Edison, which I think is like part of like Nielsen ratings or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they say it too. I mean, no matter what you look like, they're look at, they're growing year over year. Yeah. And, and I'd probably end with saying, if you really need proof, why does Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse Audio app, Facebook, I don't know what they call it, talk. Oh, yeah, fire chats. Or fire, fire chat, chats. fireside yeah. chat, Instagram live. Why are they all showing audio now and giving you yeah. the ability to record it so that you can push it out as a podcast? Make no mistake, every app is doing it. It's yeah. got to be still cool. Totally. And and I have even said to people, you know, you can treat it almost like a side hustle because you can monetize it. I haven't been doing that well with that yet on my podcast, which I chat with you about. But, you know, what have you seen from the people that you've worked with who take podcasting very seriously? They start putting an hour into it every day. How quickly do you see people monetize it? Is it, is it something that could happen in a couple months or is it something that more realistically happens in like a year or two? You know, it's a really great, great question because I don't think there is one formula to it. Yeah. I have seen, you know, people say, and I've said it too, because, you know, it's pretty industry-wide that people say, well, once you have, you know, somewhere in the area of five to 10,000 downloads, you become attractive to Mm -hmm. people who might want to run an ad on your podcast because you've built somewhat of a community. You can point Mm -hmm. to something, right? I've had some people say, and, and I believe this too, if you already have some influence and you've built a community someplace, Mm -hmm. then you're bringing that community to your podcast like you did. So, you know, you already had your Instagram audience, your TikTok audience, and you brought them to your podcast and now yeah. you're bringing them all over to your Facebook camps. So yeah. you've done a beautiful job of weaving through and finding another way. You're like top 1% everybody if you're oh. not listening to <laughs> freelance fairy tales, you you're you're living under a rock. So <laughs> and I think also probably the last thing that I would say about that is some people are just lucky and they fall onto a really unique idea that there's an audience that was looking for something that they could be a part of, you know? So I have seen some 
people create podcasts and literally almost out of the gate, the niche is so cool or mm-hmm. so provocative that mm-hmm. boom, they get sponsors, advertisers, and so forth. So I'd like to say there's a formula, but I don't believe that there is. And I'm truly always about like breaking shit. So like, just (laughs) go do whatever, like give it a shot and just go ask, you know, don't ask for permission, right? Just do it. No, never. That's something like on Fiverr, people will ask me, you know, how soon can I make 5000 a month? How soon can I make 10000 I'm like, you guys, there's no one size fits all answer to it. It's kind of what you put into it. You brought up provocative topics doing well. Now, how important do you think the reviews are on like an Apple podcast, for example, if you had a very provocative podcast and let's say a bunch of people like buried you with one star reviews because they just don't like what you're talking about? Do you think that has a big bearing on how well a podcast does? Like on Fiverr, you know, reviews are everything. But in the world of podcasting, do, do you think people care as much about those reviews? You know, I think when you first start a podcast, you know, reviews and ratings are like the holy grail of Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And most people listen on Apple Podcasts. So it would be really nice if in the beginning when you launched, you had that because there's sort of a small window of opportunity to be positioned as new and noteworthy on yeah. Apple Podcasts. And it's usually generally like in the first month. But I have to say that I actually do not think that the ratings and reviews change the way people find you. They, you know, if you do a search in Apple Mm -hmm. Podcasts on any subject that interests you, all of the relevant podcasts are going to come up. You know, if you're into, you know, health and wellness, cannabis, NFTs, freelancing, whatever you look at, you're just going to get a boatload of options in front of you. And I don't, believe, I can't quote for sure because I don't work at Apple, that your ratings and reviews change where you're positioned on there. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say no. Okay. All right. Good. Everyone listening. See, don't get caught up in the analysis paralysis. Just do it. Okay. On to the topic of monetizing the podcast, because I'm always interested in this. I'm sure everyone listening is what are some of the different ways that somebody could monetize a podcast? You know, there's the obvious you get a sponsor, but I even saw there's different levels, right? Like they can do it in the beginning or the end or whatever. So what's like your kind of list of different ways that you could monetize this thing? Okay, so we'll get off the train of like advertisers and sponsors because that's the first thing people say. And I think we can all do the mental math and figure it out. You know, like if you have an ad at the beginning of a podcast, it's going to cost that advertiser more money than if it's at the end of the show, right? So off of that and on to other things. So let's look at Alex Foslu. And let's say for your podcast, a way that you can monetize that is you are becoming a leading voice in freelance culture. So you can now sell yourself on other platforms. So if you see other shows like other Mm. business conferences, for example, you can pitch yourself to them and say, hi, I'm Alex. I have a top 1% podcast Mm -hmm. and I have become a voice for freelance culture, and I'd like to be considered as a speaker at your conference. And you can get paid 
to be a speaker at that conference. Yeah. So that's one way that you can you can do that. Another way would be, you know, for you because like you're in a teaching capacity mm-hmm. and I look at like freelance fairy tales in your mentor camp on Facebook, to me that just smells of future masterminds that you can construct in a learning module like video and audio and you can Mm -hmm. sell those on your newsletter and you can also advertise them on your own podcast so I, i would say you could monetize by doing that you can also move towards live conferences i know personally that you like live events and mm-hmm. I think people would flock to you in a live environment. So if you wanted to curate a small, you know, event like a, an event for women or an yeah. event just around freelancing where people mm-hmm. come to you and they pay a ticket price to mm-hmm. come hear you speak and for you to be able to curate and pay maybe other speakers to come to your event. So there's another way. And then another way might be a book. So you and I have spoken about this, but you know, you can write an ebook on mm-hmm. what you've learned from episode to episode on your podcast or at the close yeah. of your season. And maybe you highlight some of the people that you interviewed, some of their quotes that really resonated with you. In your case, I'm waiting for the book on the f- freelance fairy trails because I think that would be such a cool book. And I think everybody is <laughs> yeah. dying to know what your experience was like. Yeah. So there's some ideas. That's no, all of that's genius, guys. Anyone listening to this, that's like golden information right now for podcasting, for making money, for side hustles. It doesn't get better than that. My last question for you on the topic, you know, intense podcast questions is let's say someone's listening to this right now. They want to start a podcast, but they have no idea how to do that. I know there's a lot of ways, you know, to answer this, but what would be a couple tips or steps you would give them to get started with it? So I would say don't overthink anything because Mm -hmm. no matter how much work you put into it, I can guarantee that your 10th episode will be exponentially better than your first and your 20th episode will be exponentially better than your 10th. So You just need to jump in and try because, look, uh, even as like podcasters, like we make mistakes, you know, we have issues when we hook up to record like Alex and I had. You might forget to press the record button. Like it happens. Like it's okay. We're all human entering into this. You don't have to be a polished, you know, ABC anchor or something who's starting a podcast. In fact, you know, the more gritty you are, you probably the more people are going to gravitate towards you. So I would say just take a chance on yourself. Like you really have nothing to lose at all. Exactly. And that's the same thing with a Fiverr or an Upwork or any of them. It's like really low startup costs. I know with the podcast, you can make the argument that you have to get a nice mic and you don't, you don't, you don't. Okay, good. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I have been using this one since the beginning. It's a Samsung q to mic. It came whoops, with the tripod. Okay. It came with headphones. I have it on my website. It's like under $100. Very low barrier to entry. That's really, if okay. you already have a laptop, you're doing it. And frankly, the microphone on, on your phone isn't half bad. So you probably yeah. could start off that way. 
Yeah. Okay, same thing with YouTube, right? Like my first 20 videos, it's me and my camera, just like blurry in a room. And I feel like at the end of the day, people come for the value, they come for the content, they come for the discussion more than they come for the technical aspects of it. And if they love your content enough, they're going to bear with you while you upgrade the technical aspects of it. They're going to they're not just going to say f you, I'm out of here. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. 1000%. They're, yeah, they're going to stick around. All right. So, what's on deck for you? Are are you diving deep into podcasting right now? Is there another project on the horizon? Is there something you're interested in? Yeah, actually, I am really interested right now in learning more about the intersection of art, NFTs, and crypto. How did I know you were going to say that? I actually like knew. Did you tell me this? Or I something something told me to ask you about NFTs right now. Isn't that weird? I don't know. That's so cool. See, you and yeah. I were just connected. Yeah, like, I knew you were going to say art and NFTs. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's <laughs> right. Well, you know, having been an artist and now in the audio space, I know that I can look at NFTs from two perspectives for myself. And I think probably my experience as a creative and my experience in, in audio makes me unique in my own way. And so I'm, I've been thinking yeah. about that. And I don't know if it's going to be a mini series or its own podcast, but I've been mm. thinking about that because quite honestly, I know so little about it, which by the way, you don't have to mm. know a lot when you start a podcast. I literally feel okay. like I need to introduce the Fisher Price method of learning about all this. Like, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. What is an NFT? Yeah. What yeah. is the vernacular? How do you build it? What's the difference between, yeah. you know, a JPEG and a non-fungible token? Like, I, you know, I don't yeah. know all this stuff, but maybe we'll learn together. I don't know. Uh, okay, I love that. So you, you almost want to make like an elementary approach to the world of crypto and NFT. So like, everyone can listen to it and understand what the hell everyone's talking about. Yes. And what I'd love to do is not just myself as a guinea pig, but work with creators and actually yeah. create with them and document the process. Because oh. I think that's where people get stuck. We talk about, hey, I got into this and here are my numbers and my end result. Like I, it's my NFT has been launched, but all the stuff in between the execution of it is what I think people really need. It's kind of what yeah. you do. Like you, you know, yeah. you have your idea and you've already launched it, but you help people execute by giving them the process yeah. in between. And that's what I do with podcasting. Like people have the idea and they want it to launch, but they don't know how to make the stuff in between happen. So I'm all yeah. about the execution and the process. Mm -hmm. So am I. And sometimes... I will get frustrated when I'll see other creators that are all about the shock factor, the drama, the whatever, and their accounts will grow, you know, to millions and millions because it's controversial. And I'm over here just like really a school teacher at the end of the day where I'm like, come here, kids, you're going to do this on fire, you're going to do this. And it's not really controversial. So sometimes I'm like, I'm always teetering on like, do I make it more controversial? Ah, oh, that's not me though. <laughs> no, and you're and you always give the lesson like, just be you. Yeah. You know, so like if you went for shock value, it wouldn't work. Look, I I'll be yeah. honest. I'm about as micro an influencer as they come, and 
I don't, you know, I can probably come up with some pretty, you know, sexy ways to get in t- get attention or be provocative in my language or, you know, whatever I want to do or, you know, throw some people under the bus to try and, you know, drum up interest. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, know. you know, it's hard to sustain that, to be really honest. Yeah. It's hard to sustain it because it's not who you are. Right. And I have actually seen people fall off the mountain that they've built on TikTok by, you know, baiting to this controversy. Their own following, in a way, almost eats them alive eventually because it's such a hypercharged following of people who are either love following, hate following, whatever. And then suddenly they do something that their own following hates because they've trained them to be emotional and every and responsive to all their content and then they'll be canceled by their own following and i just oh watch God. it so well the- said <laughs> so well said yeah and and i see that i'm like okay no i don't want that i just want to be the girl that gets on here and, and teaches a thing and then gets off <laughs> well and and you've experienced the hating culture oh. and you know even just a, and I don't know how much you've had, but even if 10% of your existence on social media and in your work brings, you know, that much hate to it you, does. you know, why incite that? Like, why why create no. something that invites even more? Because it's going to degrade your brand and it's going to degrade your heart and your mind. And, mm-hmm. and by the way, it puts a stamp on you forever. Like, you don't really yeah. lose that reputation. You could reinvent yourself, but to reinvent yourself from being somebody who had bad business ethics, you know, was mean, yeah, uh, who, who nur- nurtured a hate mentality. Yeah, that gonna get you far in life yeah totally oh my gosh now are you gonna make any nfts for yourself are you, are i you would gonna... love to yeah i would love to i actually have a couple ideas on that i'm thinking about an audio nft mm. and it would be maybe like a sleep story okay wait so you can make i thought nfts were only graphics things or gifs or Nope. You can do audio too. That's why I'm saying I feel like I have this blend of my artistic side and my digital, you know, world. And I'm trying to figure out, well, here's the thing. I'm probably going to be one of the guinea pigs. So I'll walk you through the process. (laughs) We'll see how it comes together. But I, I had a really cool conversation offline from Clubhouse. I met this guy on there and he's big in the ecosystem of music. And he's like, oh no, you definitely can NFT something audio. So okay. I'm I'm at the beginning. Like I said, I'm like a five-year-old in all this. So yeah. don't like I don't have the information yet, but we'll we'll see where we'll, it takes we'll me. Get there. No, I'm already learning. And, and when it first came out the NFT stuff like the start of 2021 was it or like end of 2020. I guess I was wondering, are there still people buying this stuff? Like, is there very much a market for it? Because I I didn't know, like, oh, is this going to be a fad? But I see it's still around, right? So I feel like, yeah. You know, I wasn't sure either because, you know, there's that whole intersection, like I was saying, you know, you hear about the art and the creative side, but then it was NFT and crypto and metaverse. And so when you start to move the conversation towards that, I think sometimes you lose people because they're like, Crypto, yeah, I either believe in that concept or I don't. Metaverse, what the hell's that? So I think you start to lose people on it. But what, for me, what gave it some credibility was when I was in Clubhouse more recently, there's been some Sotheby's auctions where they've been working with NFTs. And then Mm -hmm. one of the 
people I was talking to about my idea. He's part of the launch of the Banksy spy booth. And this is all like pretty amazing stuff. So I I think it's on Friday. They're doing the launch on Clubhouse. I think it's like three o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Um, But they literally went to do it last week and broke the internet. Okay. So I'm like, so Sotheby's is coming on to Clubhouse and partnering up with other people to do like digital product launches. Am I kind of getting that right? Like, you know, I can't speak a hundred percent to, to that part of it. I could say that they have their own club. They're doing their own events on there and they're talking about auctions, but I don't know if they're bringing the actual creatives or the NFT artist on there themselves. Mm -hmm. The, The Banksy spy booth was a separate project. That one was not with Sotheby's and it was with a couple of people are really like heavily involved in that. But for me, I think what I was trying to to say was that it it brought credibility to the conversation that there's a lot of big institutions that are mm-hmm. heavily steeped in the creative communities you know in yeah. art and 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 audio so it made it feel maybe a little safer or a little more interesting for me and tangible like maybe a little more tangible I, okay, you're making me want to go check my Coinbase after this now. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't checked that in like months. I'm like, oh boy, it could be zero. It could be 10,000. Who knows? <laughs> That's the beauty of crypto though. Fingers crossed that you're at 10,000 and not I, zero. Yeah. I, well, man, that would be amazing. All right. So for everybody, again, listening to this, what would be like your parting words of advice or encouragement or wisdom on someone who is sitting there and they just want to get started doing anything online and they're just doing this and they can't do it. The voices in their head, it's stopping them, the you know people in their life who have doubted them and they're letting it get to them. What would you say to them right now? This is a good one. Can I say two things? Sure. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I have personally reinvented myself numerous times. And sometimes it was by choice and sometimes it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think you don't know what you're capable of until you put yourself outside of your comfort That's zone. Cool. And so I would say at any point in your life, try to push yourself outside of your comfort zone because there's nothing more fulfilling mm-hmm. when you get to the other side of that mountain and you say, holy shit, look what I did, you know? Totally. And it's why I tell people to own their own mic. But the second thing I would say is your ethical barometer is probably the most important thing you can take with you throughout your journey in life mm-hmm. and in business. And always know that being whether you are a hater or you do something that's unethical, you don't pay somebody, you don't follow up with people, whatever, mm-hmm. on a personal or professional level, that stuff comes back around. Yes. Don't don't think it doesn't. Burning bridges will always come back to haunt you. Yeah. So something I tell my son all the time is at the end of the day, if you could look in the mirror and say, I've been a good person, then that's that's all you need to get through life. I love that. I don't even have anything else to add to that. Perfect. Perfectly said. I love that you said that you've reinvented yourself many times, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not, because I think a lot of people get stuck up in their head on what they want, what they want to see, but they're kind of failing to realize there also has to be a consumer on the other end, too, who also wants whatever it is that you are creating or selling. So you have to consider that there's, you know, two parties engaged in a side hustle or making money online or whatever, and it's okay If you reinvent yourself, 
and it wasn't what you had planned. That's often the best stuff. I mean, do you think I ever thought in a million years I would be like sitting in front of this backdrop with a podcast that people want to listen to? Guys, no, never. So I love that. Holly, thank you. Please tell everyone where can they find you online and where can they do business with you? Okay, well, you can find me on a lot of different platforms, but hollyshannon.com is my website. And I'm happy to build your podcast for you if you want to take a little stab at that. If you want to do it yourself, you can get my book there like Alex did. And I'm on Instagram at Holly E. Shannon. I'd love if you followed along on my little journey there. My podcast is called Culture Factor. And I have two episodes actually with Alex, one that we did live in a clubhouse room and one that we did more recently when I Mm -hmm. rebranded the show to talk with creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. So go give a listen. Go subscribe and give a listen to great people like Alex. Okay. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Holly, for coming on. And I'm sure I will have you on again. Thank you. I loved it. Thanks for having me. And thanks for sharing me with your community.